So we're continuing through our series on the Ten Commandments this morning. And we're going to hit, uh, we're going to hit this eighth one that continues in the list of, the, of, of these last few that are kind of the do not, or shall not, you shall not, don't. Um, they fit into this category. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be told do or don't, then it's always very clear what we're talking about here. So we're going to look at this one uh, tonight, uh, excuse me, this morning, and, uh, and we have to ask a few questions, though, about it. First of all, why are we walking through those Ten Commandments anyway? Uh, why are we even processing through this? Well, as you've seen up till now, every week there is an underlining question behind of it where we ask, why? What is the heart of the commandment? Because we can follow rules, but what is the heart of the rule? And what Jesus has done, and we've seen it the last two weeks in particular, Jesus has gone to the source and said, yeah, you've heard it said, but what was the heart of it? The heart of it expands the commandment. The heart of it says, look, don't murder, but the heart of it is treat people well. Celebrate life in people. And so that's what, what we've been walking through. So why do we do this? Because of this. I think in our life, the thing that we struggle the most in sharing Jesus with other people is not in our words, though some of you I know you're petrified even sharing uh, verbally with somebody, but it's in our lifestyle. It, it's in how we live. It's how are we different than someone else. So I was talking with, with, uh, with somebody just this week about this. And this person, we would not line up on belief systems at all. I mean, when I say not line up, I mean throw something in opposite directions entirely. That would be us, right? And I was talking to him about this, and I said, you know, you should look at me, and we should have differences in what we believe about certain things. Hot-button issues, for sure. You know, what we think maybe about the issue of homosexuality right now. That's, you know, a very, very hot topic. We should have differences because we, we look at things so dramatically different. My, uh, my source, his source, too different, right? But how I live, how I care for you, how I love you, how I serve you, my ethics about what I, those should not be things that would be of any bother to you. You should look and say, well, you know what? Tom really serves. He cares. I mean, he's just really, really a good, good person. In our context, we look at that and we say, that's a transformed life in Jesus Christ. Because I once wanted to behave however I wanted to behave. Christ transformed me, and then he discipled me through his word on how to actually live. But the Holy Spirit empowered me to live it out and to keep living it out. I saw the results, and then I'm hooked on it now. So, and that's, that's a difference. See, I think we get caught up sometimes in just getting through the list of rules like we just talked about. And we forget that really this stuff should mark every crevice of our life. Not because I need to, I need to see where the, the rule flows, but because I've surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And because I've said I want to be a totally different person. And I think when people really see that we are totally different, then they look and, and say, there's, there's something I want that that person has to offer. There's something within them that I'd like to have, even if they're not ready to hear about Christ yet. There's something they want to have. It opens up avenues for us. So, why are we walking through this? Because the way we live our lives is very important. 
it is very, very important that we live our lives because we are a witness to other people. So let's jump right into it. This commandment is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. It's very quick and simple. It says, do not steal. Your translation may say, you shall not steal. Don't steal. Anybody opposed to that command this morning? Got an issue with it? Yeah? Now, I'll say, in the next few minutes as I walk through this, it'll be pretty straightforward and direct. All right? Don't steal. We don't really have an issue and a problem with that. Why? Because it makes sense to us that if God is building culture into his people, they're slaves for hundreds of years, now they're out in the wilderness all by themselves, what they do remember of their culture would be faint, it would be almost legend, and what they lived practically would have been in Egypt, and now they're out in the middle of the wilderness, and God says, I'm going to put culture into you, I'm going to tell you how I want you to live and what I want you to be like as my people— And he lists out the law that flows starting with the Ten Commandments here and keeps flowing on out in the Old Testament there in the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. And he shares this with them. It would make sense for him to say, look, if that doesn't belong to you, then don't take it. That's theirs. There's a big thing that comes into play when we start taking things that don't belong to us. It's a trust issue. And we know in any culture, once you start to lack trust in somebody else, bad things start to happen from there on out. Now, it hasn't been just one marriage over the course of my ministry experience that I've counseled that I would say at the core issue of the marriage is that along the way, someone quit trusting the other person or both quit trusting the other person. And it's amazing how everything that happens in the marriages is interpreted based on that lack of trust with each other. And so they never can put a foot forward to get back on a right path and to a marriage that could thrive because there's always this lack of trust. Sometimes it was because somebody did something. Sometimes it's paranoia. Who knows what it is? But stealing creates that. And so if God is designing his culture in the very beginning, it would make sense that he would design it in a way that said, this is an absolute, a non-negotiable for my people. Do not take what doesn't belong to you. Now, in the culture they had just come from in Egypt, they would have known about stealing, not just taking of each other's stuff, but they were slaves. They didn't have any rights which means what they owned, they really never owned. Anything they had could have been taken away from them very easily. In fact, the law of Egypt would have protected the person that was taking them away from the Hebrews. Uh, Pharaoh's palace could have done anything they wanted to do to these Hebrews. And so coming out of that, God's saying, I don't want you to treat each other like this. I don't want that to be part of your culture at all. So don't take from other people. Now, I would guess, parents in here, that you remember the time when it first became clear that you needed to talk to your child about taking something that doesn't belong to them, right? I mean, can you remember speaking to them about it? I don't know what age, two, three years. I mean, I'm sure it's well young that you started talking to them about it. And then I probably remember the age where they were, where like something big happened, where, you know, they really, they they didn't just step over the line, but, you know, they flew over it and punishment and grounding and maybe uh, because they took something that that didn't belong to them and we learn to teach this and build this into our kids why because you know this will destroy them if it's not under wraps right now 
You know, it starts out now as something within the family that you have to punish them for. It ends up down the road as wearing an orange jacket, picking up trash on the highway with the prison van ready to take you back to, to, you know, to your house. Um, and that's really what you're trying to avoid as parents. But I want to walk through some stuff here. This list of things that we may not always view as stealing that I would say is pretty commonplace in our culture. So I said, do you agree that we shouldn't steal? You said yes. Now's the time where you might have to put your eye rolling into practice because as I walk through this, I'm going to guess this. Probably seven, eight out of every ten of you are involved in one of these things or many of these things. And I would guess on several of these things up till this point, you don't even see it as an issue or problem because it's just the way our culture flows. All right? Is that okay? Nobody has anything to throw. Okay, good. Let's, let's step through it. All right, the first thing, uh, types of stealing, is just theft, burglary. We, we agree with that. You know, it's sitting there, it's not yours, you take it, that's a problem. That's straight out theft, you took something. I remember when I was really young, taking just some change off my parents' uh, dresser, and, and I, you know, it was like beat-down mode when my parents found that out. I was like, it's like 25 cents, you know? But they're teaching a point. Theft burglary. We all agree with that, right? All right, good. So we'll pop on to number two. How about laziness at work? How about when we take advantage of the time at our work and we, we don't get done what we know we could get done at our job? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, just going gangbusters, having to bust your child all the time, and you're not appreciating all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we flip over to our Facebook or we... We get the solitaire going, or whatever it is, you can interpret it into your context. And where we ultimately, we know we're kind of robbing our boss and our company of the time that they are paying us in that. Ever do that? Oh, yeah, so, so that falls on our list. Let, let's look at a, a third one. How about underpayment? Um, where you say, you know, hey, I'll pay you this, but you never really come through with paying them that amount. Or you change up the, uh, uh, just change up the, the job or the work or how it, how it goes, and you end up ha- saying you owe them less money for that. Or you just don't pay. You know you owe it, but you think, well, I don't really have it, and you just kind of let it go and not pay as well. How about overcharging on the other side, where we, we jump up and we charge more than we said we would charge? Taking from our parents, I talked about that uh, a little bit here. Um, I used to, in my younger days, it just felt kind of right. You know, you ask for it from your parents, you take from your parents. They gave me a credit card uh, one time, and it took two days before my dad said, you know, um, basically, let me tell you how a credit card works. And, and I learned, don't take from your parents. Um, how about this one? Six, plagiarism. When we take and we say what someone else said without giving credit to that. Now, certainly, I know some of you are like, you know, there's overstating this sometimes on the plagiarism side. Look, I understand. I get it. But I'm talking about when you say something, you write something, and you are saying it basically as if you came up with it in your own creativity, in your own words, and you know you just Googled it. It's that plagiarism. And we're under pressure sometimes, it seems like, you know, in social media to come up with very, you know, something very whimsical and how we say it and word it just right and all that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, it is a form of stealing. Okay, eye-rolling time. Uh, Piracy. (laughs) 
music, movies, computer programs, piracy. I, I know, I know what you're saying. I mean, don't they have that kind of built into their company that they're going to lose this kind of money? So it's really not stealing if they build it into their budget already. They kind of know this is going to happen anyway. Don't rock stars make a ton of money anyway? They're not going to miss a little bit on that. Um, but, you know, I've got a friend who is in a band, and they, they tour and stuff. And it's funny, I asked him this question, and he said, he said, no, we lose money on it because we pay the record company to put that out. And we lose money on it if it's not sold. Piracy. Now, that's the one that I really believe is so countercultural because we just do it. We do it all the time. I, I, I'm ta- when I talk to some people, I would say they may not remember the last time they bought a CD or music but they have plenty of it. They found it some way, some, somehow. How about you got the newest version of uh, maybe a, a Word suite on, on your computer, something like that, and those things are pricey, right? Three, four hundred dollars, but no problem because, you know, your neighbor loans you one and you just kind of were able to put it on your phone and work past, or not your phone, but your computer, and you were able to work past it, get it loaded, and now you're very joyfully typing away and creating your papers or whatever it is that you're writing, enjoying the outlook or, or whatever that may be. Eight, how about a frivolous lawsuit? When you know there's an opportunity to sue and get money from it, but you know the issue was not that big a deal. The, the Bible would say we, we don't do that. In fact, the Bible would go so far to say is don't sue Christians. Don't, don't sue your brother in Christ is what it says. You know, go to that person and work it out, but don't seek just going to the lawsuit. Because once you hire a lawyer, here's what happens. When you hire a lawyer, their job is to fight for you, not to honor God's word. To fight for you. And they'll do whatever they can to make you win over the other person. And so it never quite lines up with Scripture on that. And so God says, don't go there. You don't need to do that. Um, here's, here's the last one on here. Um, um, eye rolling time. How about on your taxes? Your taxes. That when we cheat. Now, do you like it? No. Probably no more than me to, to pay certain things we have to pay on our taxes. You might have gone to the polls and voted one way, and you, you lost, and it went the other way, and now you're having to pay more, right? Um, we've all probably been there. But guess what? It's the law, and it's what we're called to do, what we're asked to do. Um, and I don't like it sometimes, but being fair and being honest on our taxes. Now, look at this list that I just gave you, and you could probably come up with a few more. And ask yourself this question. Not, is this right? Is it wrong? You know, am I skirting? Am I not skirting? It's not so bad. They've got that built in. All those kind of things we like to tell ourselves. Ask yourself this question. What is the witness to Jesus Christ's name? when we violate these things? What, we, what does it look like to someone who doesn't know Christ, who you then are going to turn around and say, hey, you really should become a Christian. This is really the better way of life. And they'd say, well, I, I get that, but you do this and that as well. How, how is it really any different? And then, you know, you go in and you talk about a speech of, you know, burning in hell and verse heaven and that kind of thing. And so they walk away with this concept that it's really just about some fire insurance or, or, or hell and heaven issue and not about a lifestyle issue as well, a different form of living, a different way of viewing this life. You can see how this command of do not steal works through everything. Now, the list I just gave you, those nine, could you imagine if 
no one ever violated or pushed the boundaries on any of those nine things. What do you think relationship would look like if that was the case? What do you think the way people cared for one another, the trust they had for one another, would have if we never violated any of those? You ever hired somebody to come over and do a job for you, and they said 500, and before you knew it, you're paying 850, and you can't quite even figure out what extra was done? Yeah. Imagine if that never happened, that type of situation where you're being taken advantage of. And you're not always being taken advantage of, but let's say you were. Imagine if it never happened and the relationship is totally different. This thing of stealing goes through many, many ways of how we interact with people in God's world. Let me, um, let me shift gears, though, entirely for you. Because as I was putting this together, my hunch was most of you would buy in to the idea of stealing being a relationship killer. But I want to I go on to something that I think we do often that we struggle with the most when it comes to stealing or robbing. I was uh, at Taekwondo. I did that for a few years. And there was one uh, young black belt who, on many respects, I just really thought this kid worked really hard. But every once in a while, there was a, an exercise, and usually it was like a, a push-ups or burpees or things like this, where I noticed that um, uh, his style was a little bit different than everyone else's, where everyone else may push up to the floor and push back up. His was a little bit like this. Um, I noticed on the sit-ups, his form was a little bit like this. It was more like neck-ups, um, back and forth. And so I watched this over and over and over, and this was a, a multi-level black belt young kid who was very good at Taekwondo. And it dawned on me, it hit me one time, that I so wanted to just say, why are you cheating yourself? And you're so good at this, just think of the level you could take it to if you took this exercise, those, those basic exercises we did in every class, and you did them to the max and how they would flow into this. And so that phrase, every time I saw him in class, it would always come to my head, why are you robbing yourself? Why are you cheating yourself of this? And you're young, you're 16, you can run circles around me. Why are you cheating yourself of this? And you know, the Lord, as he does um, often, he has a way of taking things that we complain about and gripe about in life, and he has a way of kind of flipping them right around onto us, where the question came of me, Tom, why do, you, why do you cheat and rob yourself in life? If, if I've called you to this and called you to do this and be this, why do you rob yourself? Why do you not become all that you can be in life? You know, Tom, if, if I have this as a pastor I want you to be, why do you ever cheat yourself and not let me lead you to being that form and that kind of pastor? And he flips it right back on to my own life. And so I was looking at this this week, and I thought, how is it that we often rob ourselves. And I'm going to look at a few things. So if you're taking notes, you'll just have to jot these down. If you've got your Bibles, uh, I'm going to just say the verse. I'll give you just a second to look it up if you, if you want to look it um, there. But at very least, write it down and you can get back to it. How do we rob ourselves from God? Here's Psalm 139, verse 14. He says this, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You might know the verses, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you realize that for many of us, we rob ourselves from the start 
We rob ourselves of denying ourselves who God made us, how God sees us. When God looks at us and he says, you are wonderfully, you're marvelous, you're incredibly made, I designed you, and we look at ourselves and say, I'm junk. I can't do this, I can't do that. You know, I'm 41 now, I used to could do that, I can't do that anymore. And we talk ourselves down in this way. And we rob ourselves of who we are in God. Where God has basically said, no, you are incredible, you're wonderful, you're phenomenal. I mean, you're a human being, I made you in my image. Now, I'm not talking about maybe we get into something like, you know, we get into an addiction or we get into that type of thing. God's not pleased with that, that's not what he wants. But who he created in you how he designed you, the personality he put in your, in your body, in, in the way you process things. He designed you perfect and wonderful. And we rob ourselves of that all the time. You might rob yourself of that when you look at somebody else and say, if I was like that, then I could effectively do whatever it is that you want to do. As a pastor, I do the same thing. When I look at another pastor preaching or, or teaching or leading his congregation, man, if I could do that. The praise team and I went to a, a worship service last night down in Charlotte, which was a, was a phenomenal dynamic worship service. And, and the preacher last night is a high-energy, motivational, uh, um, just, just really go, 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 push, push, just challenge type of teacher. And why do I sit there and think, man, I want to preach like that. I want to do that. But God says, no, I, you're wonderful just how you're made and you're created. Don't rob yourself of who God has already designed you to be. He says this in 1 Peter chapter uh, 2, verse 9, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Here's what it says. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And, and the verse is saying, look, you're chosen. You know, I chose you. Now, I, if, you're, if, if you think I just created and just flung it out there and just said, you know, I'm on to something else, this verse says otherwise. It says you were chosen. And I made you for a purpose, for a reason. And I called you out of darkness and into wonderful light. Some of your translations say marvelous light. He's saying, yeah, I didn't call you to live in that area of darkness and junk and depression and thinking that about yourself. I called you to live in light. I called you to be illuminated on and to, to live kind of in that glory is what, it, is what the word picture is there in Scripture. Because I am his. I'm his very possession is what the verse says to us there. So don't rob yourself of who you are in God. Here's the second thing I thought we rob ourselves in. We rob ourselves of our purpose in God. Our purpose. Look, if you're here today and you're hearing this, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. It's absolute. You have a purpose and a plan. God didn't create any of us without purpose. And he wants you to accomplish that purpose and the plan over the course of your life. And really, I'm going to tell you, your purpose was not go to school, get a job, make money, then at someday retire if you did well enough on the money, and then just go out and, you know, get an RV and travel the countryside and, and see a bunch of things. That wasn't his purpose uh, for you. And you might get to enjoy some of that stuff, 
but his purpose is far, far greater for you in this life. And so many believers in Jesus Christ, you rob yourself of purpose. Rob yourself. You might just buy into that, that dream of, I'm, I'm going to work really hard and retire and then have a good time. You've robbed yourself of God's purpose for your life. We'll look at a couple uh, verses here. Galatians 1.15, part of this purpose. Galatians 1.15, he says this, But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. The first thing that God has called you to in purpose is salvation, is to live a life in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, I mean, you've never solidified it in your life that I'm going to live for Christ, I'm going to be a Christian, not because I'm an American or I grew up in a Christian home or every once in a while I go to church, but because I said yes to Jesus. Come into my life and be the Lord of my life. I'm going to live for you. Then this is a great day to do this because you rob yourself of your purpose if you've not said yes to Jesus Christ in your life. And so the Bible says, look, you were called, even before you were born, you're chosen to receive his grace, to receive his salvation. In fact, this is a great opportunity for us to just stop for just a second. And I want to just pray for you because I recognize that some of you might just be on the cusp every week of saying yes to Jesus and becoming a Christian. Um, but, you, you know, you kind of sidestep the emotion of it. You get out the door, and you go on with your week, and, and you might even get pounded over the course of your week, and then you get back here, and it seems right again, but you go away. And, then, and, and I just want to stop for a moment and pray with you. And if in this prayer time you're ready to say yes to Christ, you just pray along with me in your head, heartfelt, and God will receive it, okay? So bow your head and close your eyes, and I want to I wanna just pray that uh, quickly here. Father, um, if there be anybody here who's ready to say yes to Jesus Christ, they've been robbing themselves of your salvation for years, and this is the moment, this is the time, right here, right now, would they pray this in their heart after me? Lord, forgive me for the way I've lived. Lord, come into my life. Take control of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. From this moment on, I commit. Your son's name. Everyone said amen. 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 If that was you just now, if you said yes to Christ just now, then you're a believer. We want to celebrate that. That's why we do baptism on December 7th. That's why we're having that, so that you can be baptized and this congregation can celebrate with you. Take your card and just let us know. If you just became a Christian, let us know on that card, mark it, and uh, we're going to celebrate with you right away um, here at the church. A couple other things that we rob ourselves uh, with. Acts chapter 2. Verse 42, if you want to take a look at it, this is what it says. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. What's going on there? It's discipleship. You see, when they became a Christian, some of you maybe just became a Christian, they started the road to discipleship. And here's the sad part. Believers, listen to this for a second. Here's the sad part. Is some of you became believers in Jesus Christ, and you never got on the road to discipleship. And so you're living as bored Christians. Because you thought, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something. That was an awesome camp experience. That was a great Sunday morning when I said to Christ, yes to Christ. When my neighbor led me to Christ, that was incredible, but that's not today. Well, guess what's missing? Discipleship. D- learning God's word. Letting God's word challenge in you. Staying in environments where you continually fed into. 
And in our culture, especially in our contemporary church culture, we, we have let ourselves so sink into, am, am I being entertained or not? We don't use the word entertained, but if we're not being entertained, we think, I'm not being fed. I'm not being built into here. The truth of the matter is the church has a responsibility and you have a responsibility to get on the track to discipleship. And when we don't, guess what you do, believers? We rob ourselves. We rob ourselves of who God has designed us to be. And before we know it, as the Bible says, we're still like children drinking milk when we should be spiritually mature chewing on meat. And we rob ourselves of it. Listen, if you are here today and you're a believer and you're not involved in some form of discipleship, small group, a men's group, women's group, one-on-one discipleship with, with somebody, accountability, you don't have somebody close that you get with and you guys break this stuff down, that you're robbing yourself. And I want to challenge you to get involved in something right away to start feeding yourself in that form of discipleship. Another verse is Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Chapter 5, verse 13 says this, For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. What's the word saying is that we have to serve one another, that we have to be involved in caring for our world, caring for our neighbor, for caring for people that you sit with every week and building into them. And I only know one thing about serving. It almost always involves sacrifice. It's sacrifice of my time, uh, of my energy, of my finances. Um, there are times where I get calls at 10 o'clock at night, and my first, my first thought is, <laughs> I really would rather not. I mean, is there something, is there some way else to revolt? resolve this that doesn't involve me and my car driving to their location. Because yeah. usually they don't call me and say, hey, we're having an issue. We'll come over to you. You just stay where you're at. I mean, it, it always, service always involves some form of sacrifice. But you know what? For me to give up, for you to give up, to care for somebody else and to serve somebody else, it makes me into something that I'm not now if I don't do it. And we heard a great illustration last night about stretching and stretching ourselves. And as we watched some of the people trying to stretch, I thought, that's me. I, I haven't been able to touch my toes since about, I don't know, seventh or eighth grade. And I think I did it with some assistance in seventh or eighth grade. And so I'm going to tell you what I do because I can't touch my toes. And you may be like this, too. I don't bend over. <laughs> because, I mean, I don't even try to reach down usually because I know I can't get down there and I know somebody else looks, especially if they're in Taekwondo or something and you know you got girls are putting their palms on the ground and you know touching their heads to the ground and crazy stuff and I can't, so I, you know I just kind of fake bending over um, because I know I can't do it. Some of you that's exactly how you are in serving. You know you can't push as far as maybe you're seeing somebody else do so you don't even try. But God has said to every single one of us, you've got to stretch out, you've got to step out, you've got to push out, and you've got to serve. You've got to care for somebody else. And it might take a lot from you. It might be hard at the beginning. Guess what? You might have to adjust your schedule. You might have to change things. You might have to say, hey, we're not going to go away this many weekends because I'm going to commit to serving and caring in the church or in my neighborhood or wherever it may be because I'm, I'm going to serve. It always involves sacrifice. But guess what? You are robbing yourself of who you could be in Christ if you don't serve. 
And I recognize for some of you, just the idea of stepping out and serving one Sunday a month, one hour, holding babies for an hour, I know is a huge step and it's a huge stretch. I'd invite you to do that. But for most of you, you know that's just a tip. That's just to satisfy some requirement you think you have in your head. And God is saying, I want to stretch and bend you in so many ways in the area of service. I just need you to step out and give it a try and make it happen. And so I want to challenge you in that because we rob ourselves. Finally, this. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, here's what it says. This is Jesus' words. Then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Your translation might say to proclaim the good news to everyone. Can I let you in on what I hope is not a secret? Maybe it is a secret to you. After your salvation, your purpose in life is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. You didn't become a Christian so that you could go away and just kind of live a better life and find more joy and happiness. All of that comes along with it. Your purpose is to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. You don't have to do it like me. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to become a preacher. You don't have to get up on a stage. In fact, I probably enjoy my time of sharing about Christ outside of this, in the grocery store and with friends, more than I even enjoy this, and I like this. You don't have to do that. But your job and your call is to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And so, a church, I want to make sure you, you know you rob yourself of what God has called you to be when you never speak the name of Jesus Christ. When you never turn to somebody and say, can I just tell you where I found some of that joy? Can I just tell you about some of the relationships God brought in my life at my church? Can I tell you about just something, you know, the pastor said or something we sang in a song that really impacted me? And, and the list goes on and on. You're smart enough to come up with your own examples, but you rob yourself of who God had designed you to be when you don't share the name of Christ. It wasn't too long ago, just a few years, where somebody shared with me or had said, you know, I am a Christian. I believe in that stuff, but I, I just believe that's supposed to be something private in my heart. I tell you, culturally, it sounds so good, but it's not God's word. It's not what God has called us to be. He doesn't want you to be abrasive, offensive. He doesn't want you to be in your face yelling at people. That's not what he says there. But we've got to proclaim. Now think about, when's the last time you've just even simply invited somebody to come along with you to church? Just come along. It's good people. It's fun time. We'll go out to lunch afterwards. As simple as that, non-threatening as that. Every single one of us in here can do that. You could do it on a weekly basis even. But we're called to proclaim God's name. Proclaim who Christ is. Why? Because at the end of the day, we need to see more people come to know Jesus Christ. We need to see people surrender their life the same way you surrendered your life. And we rob ourselves as a church of who we can be as a church if we don't see people coming to know Christ. I told you earlier, men, uh, I don't want to just hang out with you at Stamey's just because we're men that want to hang out at Stamey's. Um, though, uh, again, that's all going to happen, and it's going to be good, and, and there'll be barbecue. So, but I really, I, I look forward to coming on Wednesday to see who did you bring? Who am I bringing? Who doesn't know Christ that is going to have the opportunity, if at least for one hour, to sit with a bunch of Christian men and to be impacted on that? That's what we're talking about, proclaiming his name, as Jesus says in Mark 16, 15. 
Don't rob yourself. Don't steal. Don't take away. On, on a relational side, we don't want to take f- things that aren't ours. But on our connection with God's side, don't rob yourself of who God has designed you and created you to be. I would guess every single one of you, there is more. There is more God has called you to be. There's more he wants out of you. And the great thing is he says, I will give my Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. All you got to do is say, hey, yeah, I'll step out and we'll see what happens. Let me pray for you on this. And uh, I, I want to invite our praise team up because, I, because as we walk through uh, kind of the commitment side of it in your own heart, the praise team is going to just kind of set the stage uh, as they play a song. And this is what I want you to do. If there's anything this morning uh, in that that you would say, I've, I've been robbing myself, and you just want to put it before God, just use your card. Right on back in the prayer area, just say, you know, I just feel like I've been rob- robbing God in this area of my life so that we can pray for you. It may be that you're ready to step out in commitment, and we want to pray for that as well. So as I'm praying and then the praise team plays, you work on that card and work through that. You can drop it in the offering at the end. If you said yes to Jesus Christ or you're ready to say yes, then do that as well at this time. Let me pray. Father, for this, for this group that's before me, Lord, it's, I know for me sometimes my mind just kind of wanders and I say, oh, the ones that weren't here. Oh, the ones that didn't, need to, that didn't hear this, that, that I wanted to hear this. But Father, you brought a, a crowd in here this morning who needed to hear your word. I needed to hear it as I was preparing. And so, Lord, I believe that there's a group of people right here, Lord, that are robbing themselves of who you've designed them to be, what you've called them for. And some, it's just say yes to Jesus Christ and, and claim salvation today. Lord, for some, it's, <coughs> Lord, it's simply to say, say yes to, do, to you and start serving in your name. And, or for some, it's, it's sharing who you, who you are and what you did in their life. And so, Lord, raise them up today. May today be the day they say, I will no longer rob and steal God in these areas. And I will let him stretch and push me, even if I'm a little worried about it, a little frightful, and don't know what's out there. We claim that in your son's name. Amen. Would you now stand and respond to this message and however the Lord is speaking to your heart as the praise team leads us?